G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. This podcast is made available by Vision Christian Media, thanks to the generosity of our supporters. Your donation today means great podcasts like this remain available to help people look to God daily. Please make your donation to Visionathon today at vision.org.au. Today, Pastor Greg Laurie points out that the Lord will often administer correction when we wander off the path. Expect it and embrace it. You shouldn't be concerned if you cross a line and the Lord gives you a swat. You should be concerned when you cross a line and you feel no regret or guilt at all. You should be more concerned when you can sin with abandon and even feel like it's okay with God. That's when I'd be scared if I were you. This is the day when the lost are found. no accident that the words disciple and discipline are related. Those who truly follow the Lord wholeheartedly, genuine disciples may often feel the loving hand of correction when they stray. Disciples are sometimes disciplined. Today on A New Beginning, Pastor Greg Laurie points out that discipline may sometimes be perceived as suffering. We may ask God why we're facing that pain. But Pastor Greg points out that suffering can be an effective way for God to guide us. This is the story of a blind man who was healed by Jesus one day. He also became a believer in addition to having his blindness healed. We've all heard people say, seeing is believing. In his case, believing was seen. Because he saw things he had never seen before. He, he not just faces of friends and family, not just the beauty of God's creation, but he saw spiritually as well and he discovered what the real purpose of life was because he saw Jesus. In fact, that was the first person he saw when he was healed, the Lord himself, and that is why he saw everything else in its proper perspective. And so let's go now to John chapter nine and we'll read a few verses together. Now as Jesus passed by, he saw a man who was blind from birth. And his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, and he was born blind? Jesus answered, neither this man nor his parents sinned, but that the works of God should be revealed in him. I must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. The night is coming when no man can work. And as long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. When he said these things, he spit on the ground and made clay with the saliva, and he anointed the eyes of the blind man with the clay, and he said, go washed in the pool of Siloam, which is translated sent. So the man went and washed and came back seeing. We'll stop there. So here's this question. Who sinned, this man or his parents, uh, to be in the state he's in? In other words, why was this man 
born blind. And we could take that further and ask the question, why are babies born uh, with a disability? Why is there war? Why is there terrorism? Why is there tragedy? Why, why, why? It goes on and on. Really in the classic statement of this problem, either God is all powerful, but He's not all good, therefore He doesn't stop evil, or He's all good, but He's not all powerful, therefore He can't stop evil. And the general tendency is to blame God for all of the evil and all the suffering in the world, effectively to pass all the responsibility on to Him. And so this is not a rational thing that is happening when people do this, but there's nothing rational about it. People are just upset, and so they're passing these things on. And so here now Jesus is gonna sort of set the record straight. Uh, and let's deal with this question. Can physical suffering on earth be a result of sin? The answer is yes and no. Uh, let me say in a broad sense, all suffering is a result of sin. And I don't mean personal. Like if someone's born with a disability, I'm not suggesting they did something bad to deserve that. Not at all. All suffering, uh, aging even, a death, it's all a result of sin. You see, it was never God's plan for us to get sick. It was never God's plan for us to get old. It was never God's plan for me to be bald, all right? <laughs> but because of the curse of sin, uh, it affects me, it affects you, it affects all of us because of the sin of Adam and Eve in the garden. In Romans 5, 12 says, as sin came into the world through one man, and death through sin, death spread to all men because all men and women, of course, have sinned. Well, we immediately think, well, why did God make it that way? Why didn't God create us so we would not sin? So what you're really saying is, why didn't God make us into robots, right? He doesn't want a bunch of robots. He wants us to love Him because we choose to love Him. But with that choice to say yes, also came the ability to make the choice to say no. So free will is our greatest blessing and in some ways our worst curse. And so really we come down to this question about suffering, why it happens. And we always want to find cause and effect. Well, Jesus actually told a story uh, in the book of Luke, chapter 13, about a tower that fell on a group of Gentiles. A well-known news event. A tower fell and killed some people. And so Jesus asked the rhetorical question, were they the worst sinners in Jerusalem? And then they said, no, I tell you again, unless you repent, you will also perish. So basically Christ is addressing this idea of bad things happening that make no sense. And here's what he's saying, in effect. Bad things happen. People die. <laughs> there are not always explanations. Sometimes we see evil people do evil things and pay the consequences, right? And sometimes we see godly people killed. A bus full of people going to a church retreat are killed by a drunk driver that pulls out of his lane and hits them, and he survives. We say, where's the justice in that? And we don't understand that bad things happen that are inexplicable this side of heaven. Here was Christ's point. Hey, uh, you think they were the worst sinners? Actually, they weren't. And unless you repent, you will perish. In other words, guess what, guys? No one gets out of here alive. Everyone's gonna die. Bad things happen. Christians get cancer. 
Christians are killed in automobile accidents. A godly people face tragedy. It is not always something we can explain. But the most important thing for us is we have hope as followers of Jesus Christ because there's more than life on this earth. There is life beyond. So that's the key. So let's consider some ways that suffering can work in our life. Uh, first of all, there is corrective suffering. If you're taking notes, write that down. This is the idea that God will allow or send some pain in our lives to get our attention. Let me say that again. Corrective suffering is the idea that God will allow or even send some pain in our lives to get our attention. Sort of a wake up call. Now by the way, that was not the case in our story before us here of the blind man. There's no cause and effect here. Uh, this was just something that happened to him. But sometimes sickness can come as a result of sin. There can be cause and effect on some occasions. Because we read in John 5 uh, of a man who was healed who was a paralytic. Uh, he was un unable to walk. He said, you are well again, so stop sinning or something worse may come upon you. You know, sometimes we bring misery on ourselves. You know, someone says, wow, my, my you know, liver's destroyed. I need a liver transplant. And you, because you drank for your entire life. Or maybe you went out driving drunk and you got in an accident or you got a DUI and you go, I don't know why these things happen. Because you're doing stupid things, that's why. Or, you know, maybe you're out living in a moral life and you get an STD or even worse, you get AIDS or something like that. I don't know why this happened. Because you were doing things you shouldn't have been doing. There can be cause and effect. But there are other times that God will just allow something traumatic to wake us up. To wake us up. Uh, this happened to Jonah. Remember, he, God told him to go to Nineveh and preach. Because God wanted to lay down the biggest revival in human history. And God wanted to do it through Jonah. That was his plan. And Jonah said, no way am I going to Nineveh because I don't want those people to repent because they're wicked. And I'd rather God just judge those Ninevites. So God said, go. And Jonah said, no. And God said, oh. <laughs> Listen, God will always have the last word. All right? And you know the rest of the story. A storm came. Jonah got thrown overboard, swallowed by a great fish, barfed on the shores of Nineveh. Finally, reluctantly I might add, he did what God called him to do and the result was the greatest revival in human history. A million people effectively uh, believing and turning to God. So you see there was discipline there. And the Bible tells us in Hebrews 12 that the Lord disciplines those that are His. And He says, don't be discouraged when He corrects you. It's a reminder that you're His child. See? It's a reminder. So you shouldn't be concerned if you cross a line and the Lord gives you a swat. You should be concerned when you cross a line and you feel no regret or guilt at all. You should be more concerned when you can sin with abandon and even feel like it's okay with God. That's when I'd be scared if I were you. But if your conscience is working and you kind of go over the line and the Lord has something to happen to kind of wake you up, uh, you should rejoice and be reminded that you are a child of God. 
listening to A New Beginning with Pastor Greg Laurie. Thanks for joining us as he's pointing out today that there are different kinds of suffering. It's a very practical message today, so let's continue. Number two would be constructive suffering. Constructive suffering. This would be when God wants to do a particular work in your life. Uh, We're told that in 2 Corinthians 17, our present troubles are quite small, but they won't last forever, yet they produce for us an immeasurably great glory. Not Greg glory, great glory. (laughs) That will last forever. (laughs) Paul had his thorn in the flesh, remember that? He talked about it in 2 Corinthians 12. Why? Why would God allow the great apostle to be afflicted? Well, sometimes with great blessings come great responsibilities, and with those responsibilities can come a certain kind of pain. Paul had the privilege of dying and going to heaven and being called back to earth again. He talked about it there in Corinthians. He says, I was caught up in the third heaven and I saw things I can't even describe for you. But he says, but lest I get puffed up, I was given a thorn in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me, to keep me from getting proud. Three times I asked the Lord to take it away and the Lord said, my grace is sufficient for you or literally my gracious favor is all you need. So Paul says, God's power works best in my weakness so I boast that in my weakness I'm stronger. That was constructive suffering. Okay, third category, why does God allow sickness and tragedy? And this is to glorify God, to glorify God. It can be the endurance of that suffering that can bring glory to God. On this platform, I've had the privilege of interviewing Johnny Erickson Tata, who many of you remember. To me, one of the great heroes of the church. A lady who has gone through untold suffering, starting with her diving accident as a young lady, and then since then, she's had to deal with breast cancer and so many hardships, but she's so honest, she's so truthful, but yet she honors the Lord and and God has used Johnny sitting in that wheelchair to bring hope to millions of people around the world. So God is glorified through her suffering. I think of my friend Nick Vujicic, who was born without arms and legs, and yet he has taken his powerful testimony and, and shared it to bring encouragement to people all around the planet. You know, one place that Nick is very effective is with young people. And he'll do rallies in high schools and he hears kids who are depressed thinking life is so hard, you know, for whatever reason. Their boyfriend broke up with them or their parents took their cell phone away or something. And, and there, there is Nick without arms or legs speaking of his hope and his joy in the Lord and he radiates joy. And that's, that, just him being there is a testimony. And then when he begins to speak, he has an amazing story. So God can be glorified through the endurance of that suffering. But listen to this. Let's not forget this point. God can be glorified by removing that suffering. Sometimes the Lord will allow it and then he'll say, I'm going to be glorified by removing it. Or I'm going to be glorified by answering your prayer where everything looks bleak. And I'll show you my power. That is what happened in the story before us here. Let's reread verses three to four. And I want to add one thing before we read them. Understand when these words were originally given and written down by the scribes and those that recorded scripture for us, there were not chapters and verses. 
Jesus did not say, chapter 15, verse one, then speak. That was added later so we can find our way around the scripture. And sometimes those chapters and verses are, are very helpful, oftentimes in fact, but sometimes they're disruptive. And I think if we not look at the verse numbers here and read the whole statement, we get the idea. Jesus says, neither this man nor his parents sinned, the statement continues, but that the works of God should be revealed in him. I must work the works of him who sent me while it is day, for the night is coming when no man can work. In other words, instead of telling how this man became blind or why he ended up blind, here's what Jesus is saying. Don't worry about that. Here's what's gonna happen. I'm gonna heal this guy right here, right now. And by the way, God's still in the healing business. Did you know that? He's still in the healing business. You don't need a televangelist to throw his coat at you. You don't need to go to some so-called miracle service. But you do need to go and pray. And here's what the Bible says. If you're sick, go to the elders of the church. Let them lay hands on you and pray and anoint you with oil. And the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. So we pray and we ask God to intervene. And he does. I always believe we should pray for healing. There's a promise of healing in Isaiah. Isaiah 53 says, Surely he took up our infirmities and carries our sorrows. Yet we considered him stricken by God, smitten by him and afflicted. But listen, he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him and by his stripes we are healed. Peter commenting on the same verse says in 1 Peter 2.24, he himself bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sins and live for righteousness by his wounds or stripes you have been healed. So in Isaiah's passage, it tells us you can be healed. And then Peter says, hey, it's actually already happened. In the New Testament, uh, when a word like this is used, it is speaking also of physical healing. So God can heal. Well, does God heal everyone? Obvious answer, no. But he does heal some. So let's pray for that. So when I'm called to pray for somebody in a hospital room or facing some other physical challenge, even if the odds are against them and things are looking bleak, we pray for a miracle. And we've seen miracles. We've seen God answer amazing prayers, haven't we? But, uh, but we always say, well, Lord, you know, if you have another plan, we say not our will, but yours be done. I heard some preachers say, never say to God, not our will, but yours be done. That actually canceled your prayer out. Really? <laughs> what, what is God, a machine? Is God silly or foolish? Of course we pray, thy will be done. Our Lord modeled it for us in Gethsemane and he said, Father, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. And that was Jesus himself. So the point is, don't ever be afraid to say, thy will be done. But having said that, pray in faith and pray for God to heal. We'll leave the results in his hand because I do believe there could be some who are sick, they don't have to be. And if they would just pray for God's touch, they would find it. Because James 4, 2 says, you have not because you ask not. Listen to this. I believe there are financial needs that could be met if maybe you would just pray about it. Maybe the Lord is actually waiting for you to say, I need help from God. 
I've tried everything I can to make this work myself. Lord, would you help me? Hey, you have not because you asked not. Think of all the things that God may want to do in your life that He's simply waiting for you to ask Him about. Pastor Greg Laurie with some important insight on suffering today some of the fruit it can yield, and how the Lord wants us to come to Him for help. And there's more to come as this study continues here on A New Beginning next time. Pastor Greg will bring some important reassurance about the Lord's presence and providence during our times of suffering. Hope you can join us next time on A New Beginning. Today's message from Pastor Greg Laurie was called, Why Does God Allow Suffering? If you'd like to listen again, just download the free Vision Christian Media app where it's available as a podcast. Or for a copy on CD, contact Vision Christian Store on 1-800-00-5011 or go to visionstore.org.au. Station sponsor. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.